Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessings today. Father, we ask that You'd bless this message today. We ask for Your power, Your strength. Lord, thank You for just a good spirit here today, for the ladies singing, for uh, the songs that we sang in the congregational singing, praises to the Lord Jesus Christ, and we confess to you now that you are worthy of our praise. As the psalmist said, all that is in within me, bless your holy name. Father, words fail us to, to truly give you the praise that you are worthy of. And Lord, certainly we realize that the topic at hand today, uh, it'll be of little value if you don't bless it. We pray that the Holy Spirit would work, have your will and way in our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to preach to you this morning, and you may be seated, on the admonition to be strong. The admonition to be strong. If you're familiar with your Bible, you know that there are a lot of good verses that follow verse number 10, talking about the whole armor of God and and so forth. And listen, as believers, we are in a battle. Uh, you know, there was a battle before we got saved, a battle for our souls. Satan tried to keep you in the dark, so to speak, keep your mind blinded. Satan does everything he can to keep our hearts from the Lord. And let me tell you something, Satan has chains, and he will bind you, and he will blind you, and he will hinder you. He'll do so many things. He'll use, he'll use your own flesh against you your desires and your temptations. He'll use the world with all of its charms and all of its pleasures. The Bible says that all the things that are of the world are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And these are all tools in Satan's uh, toolbox, or maybe I should say uh, that they are weapons in his arsenal. And Satan's going to do everything, and if we're going to survive all of the, the, the things that the devil throws at us, then we're going to have to take heed to the admonishment that the Lord gives us. As I look at this verse once again, notice the first word says, finally, finally, my brethren. And so if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then I'd like for you to know first and foremost that all of the things I'm going to be talking about here today are really primarily written to the believer, those who know Jesus Christ as their Savior. That doesn't mean that we don't care about you. We do want you to know that if you're not saved, then God wants to change your life. He wants to forgive you of all of your sins. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be your father. He wants to be your redeemer and your savior. And listen, no one would ever love you like Jesus Christ. So we want you to know that what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, he did it for you. And you can be saved if you just be willing to turn from your sin and put your faith and trust in what Jesus did for you on the cross of Calvary. It's a wonderful, wonderful story. And it's not just a story, it's a truth. And we want you to know that to begin with. But to all of us brethren, the admonishment is finally brethren. Now, if you're familiar with the book of Ephesians, wow, is there not a lot of great truth in the book of Ephesians? I mean, we read about so many things. The book of Ephesians tells us that we are accepted in the beloved. Listen, we all want some acceptance, don't we? Amen? It's just human nature. 
We want some affirmation and we want people to accept us. We want our parents to accept us. Parents want their children to accept them. Acceptance is part of human nature, but we find that when we get saved, we are accepted in the beloved. That's the highest level of acceptance that God can give us as His children. And it's not because of our performance, it's because of what Jesus did on the cross. Man, it's just great to say that. I hope it's as great for you to hear it. We read about that. We read in Ephesians chapter 2, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't work your way. You can't deserve or pat yourself on the back and think, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. No, you're not. You're a sinner on your way to hell, and the only salvation is in the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a gift to be received, not a goal to achieve. We read about that in Ephesians. We read about how that in our human relationships, that Ephesians tells us that we need to be kind and tender-hearted one to another, forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us. Man, that'll help you in your life. We read about in Ephesians 5, the preceding chapter, about the husband-wife relationship. We read about the parent-child relationship and so many practical truths. All of these are wonderful parts of the Christian life, but when all of that is said, Paul says, finally, brethren. When I read that, I think Paul's wrapping it up and saying, hey, this, what I'm getting ready to say is of equal, if not more importance than everything that I've said up to this point. The verses that follow are vital. The verses that precede are vital. But let me tell you something. That whole armor of God that we read about in verse number 11, let's go ahead and read it. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's important. But it is of little value if we don't first take heed to the admonishment of verse number 10. This is what C.H. Spurgeon said of it. He said, everything depends upon that. He's speaking on verse number 10. Everything depends upon that. Whether you are called upon to work or to wait or to watch or to suffer, you have need to be strong. If you are not yourself strong, the very armor that you wear will be a burden to you. It is of the utmost importance that Christians should be as strong in grace as they can possibly be. And the power that is in them to be the power of God. That's a great statement right there. It reminds me of David of old before he went to fight Goliath. And, uh, you know, he went before Saul and he said, told Saul, I'll go out against him. And so Saul put his armor upon David because he's going out against an armored man of war. And as he put his armor upon this little shepherd boy, and listen, I, I don't think personally that, that David was a little shepherd boy. I think he was probably more like a, a teenager, maybe junior high at least, maybe a little bit older than that. But he was still what the Bible would call a youth. And so Saul put his armor on him, and the Bible says that David essayed to go. That means that he attempted to walk forward with all that armor on, and it was probably like clunk, clunk, clunk. 
And David's like, this isn't going to help me. I'm going, I'm going to battle. I got to be able to move. I don't know how to move in this stuff. It was probably too big for him. It was probably too heavy for him. And so David said, I, I can't do this. I, I have not proven this armor. How many could say the same? How many of you would say the same about the whole armor of God? If God were to put all of his armor upon you, would you essay to go like David did and say, I've not proven this. I'm not strong enough to bear the armor that you have provided me. And consequently, I say this with sadness in my heart. Consequently, few today are withstanding the wiles of the devil. You know, God's given us everything that we need to withstand his wiles. But the problem is, is we're going into battle without armor. And when we do try to put on the armor of God, we're not strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We have not proven them. And that's why he seems to be winning so many battles here today. And so the admonishment to be strong. First of all, number one, the admonishment addresses the will. It addresses your will. The Bible here says, be strong. Too often we think of strength as natural or inherent ability. Now, in the physical realm, I will say this, that some are born into this world, and I speak to us men particularly, some are born stronger than others. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, I've had times where I worked out and I worked out trying to get stronger and bigger. And back in my younger years when I was kind of foolish and thought that it mattered more than it does. And um, I tried. And, and, and my nephew, who was younger than me, we compared our workout regime. And he, I'm working twice as much as him. And I mean, he's starting to look like the Hulk. And I just look like maybe a little bit better than I did a year ago. <laughs> I'm like, this is futile. I don't have the genetics for this. Some people have it. Some people don't. My nephew's dad, you've met him, Brother Johnson. I mean, I don't know that he's lifted that many weights in his life, but I remember playing basketball with him and driving the lane and him standing in the lane. And, you know, he, I, I'm, I'm taller than him, probably weighed more than him. And I hit him and I bounced off. Now, he didn't budge. It's like, it's like running into that brick wall right there. He just was naturally strong. When we think about strength, sometimes we think of it as natural or inherent ability. It is not. Not in this realm, folks. Not in the spiritual realm. It is not natural or inherent. It is your choice to be strong or to remain weak. The Lord tells you to be it. Look at it with me again. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. It's a matter of the will. If God tells you to do something or to be something, He's not unreasonable. Hey, you can do it. You may not feel like you can. You may think that it's too difficult or it's beyond you. Well, guess what? It is. But don't ever forget that everything that's over our head is still below His feet. He can do it through you. You can do it if you have the will to obey the Lord and say, Lord, I'm weak. You told me to be strong. 
And so, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to, by your help, I'm going to be strong. Do you know the collective view of every Christian is what we call the church? And the church in the Bible is called, called what? It's called the body of Christ, is it not? I'd have to say, I'd have to say, if the body of Christ today had a spiritual physical exam, then the Holy Spirit would have to say that the body is weak and wimpy and anemic. I mean, have you ever seen people, and, and, and listen, I, I, I really don't mean offense by this, but it probably, maybe someone might take offense at this. Have you ever been around, I mean, real gamers? Some of you young people, like you, maybe you are a gamer, maybe you know people that are gamers, but have you ever noticed when you get around, I can spot a gamer when I first meet them. They're pale. They have no muscle tone. You, you, you look, and I'm talking about teenage boys, you look at their hands and you think, I don't think they've ever even done dishes, let alone worked outside. I mean, their hands are soft and they just look like, I don't know, it's just, you can recognize it, right? They're gamers. They're living in a make-believe world. They're using their thumbs. They're sitting on the couch, eating potato chips while they compete and get all this adrenaline and think, ah, I won! I'm victorious! I defeated all the enemies! They're just gamers. You know what I see today in this modern Christianity? Label it what you want. Contemporary praise or worship is just an emotional feast and it's all self-glorifying. That's spiritual gamers going on. There's no strength in the body of Christ today. They're going through the motions and it all looks good, but it's like it's make-believe. It's not the real stuff. You know what we need? We need the real stuff. We need Christians, the collective body of Christ, saying it's time for us to be strong in the Lord. Hey, why do you think that the church, the church so many years ago, and and this isn't in my notes, I didn't even plan on saying it, but I need to say it. The church back in probably the 1950s got infatuated with results. I mean, literally, crusades and meetings and Door, door knocking and soul winning and list churches that were running 50 almost overnight were running a thousand. And it was a wonderful thing. But the problem that the devil used, he got everybody infatuated with results. And there was a time back, I believe in the 50s, maybe even the early 60s, where the Spirit of God was moving in this country. People had a conscience. People had a soul. The fear of God was inherent in our culture. And really all you had to do is just tell them they already felt guilty for their sin. You just had to give them the hope that's in Jesus Christ and they would respond to it. Nowadays you give them the hope that's in Jesus Christ and they're going, what do I need that for? Because they don't feel guilty for their sin. Because it's not in our culture. But what happened is the body of Christ got infatuated with results. And rather than being strong in the Lord and in the power of His might and sticking to what the Bible says we're supposed to be and supposed to do, they traded it in for manufactured results, emotional manipulation, telling people what they want to hear, 
And that would gather crowds. And, oh, they started out saying that we're going to change our method, but we're not going to change our message. Well, guess what? We're 20, 30 years into that purpose, if you will. How's that working for us? It's not working very well. The body of Christ is weak and wimpy and lethargic. Why? Because we're just a bunch of spiritual gamers. We're not strong soldiers with the whole armor of God on. Hey, Proverbs 24, verse number 10 says, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. You know, this modern Christianity, oh, it's, it's wonderful until adversity comes. But I tell you what, adversity, notice that Solomon said, the day of adversity. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you're going to have it. Every single one of us are going to have a day of adversity. And let me tell you something, psychology is not going to get you through it. Self-esteem is not going to get you through that day of adversity. You're going to need the strength and the power of God. You're going to need the presence of God. A methodology and manipulation and psychology, it's going to do no good whatsoever in the day of adversity. What do we need in that day of adversity? We need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Hey, listen to what Asaph, the psalmist, said in Psalm 73 and verse number 1. He said, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But now notice what he says in verse number 2. But as for me, my feet were almost gone, my steps had well nigh slipped. Hey, have you ever felt like Asaph before? And we know that God is good, and we know that there is victory in the Lord, but sometimes, folks, we feel like our feet are almost gone and our steps have almost slipped. The Treasury of David commentary says this about verse number 2. It says, here begins the narrative of a great soul battle, a spiritual marathon, a hard and well-fought field in which the half, listen to this, the half-defeated became in the end wholly victorious. Man, I can relate to that. How many times have I seen God come through in victory only after I felt like, hey, I'm defeated and I'm useless and worthless and I can't do anything. And then God comes to the rescue and He takes care of it. Hey, how many believers would relate to me when I say so many times when I've panicked and thought this is it, I'm over, I might as well throw in the towel. And then 24 hours later, I'm shouting the victory and saying, God, you came through again, just like you always have. And I feel ashamed of myself for ever doubting the goodness of God. Well, it must be human nature because Asaph felt the same way. Being strong does not make us invincible or invulnerable. It doesn't mean we will never have struggles or failures. It means we will look to God and His goodness will help us to keep pressing on. Be strong. It's an admonition that speaks to our will. Don't just wait for it to happen. Be it. Obey God. God, you said I'm supposed to be strong. Then I better be strong. Number two, the admonition is to the inner man. Notice, if you look back at our text, be strong in the Lord. If you would, take a look with me at Ephesians chapter number 3. 
Ephesians chapter number 3, and look with me at verse number 16. Now this is Paul, he's admonishing the church at Ephesus, but this is a prayer kind of that he's praying for this church. He said that he, God, would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit, boy, that's a key, in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Is that fabulous or what? Tremendous. Tremendous. The admonition is to the inner man that God would grant us, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with His might by His Spirit in the inner man. When I think about this, I think about Joshua in the Old Testament. Joshua was the captain of the Lord's host. Joshua was faithful to the Lord as a soldier, as a general. He was faithful to Moses, the man of God. He was really uh, really, uh, Moses' right-hand man, even more so than Aaron was. Joshua was the one that went with Moses as far as he could go up on the mount when Moses received the commandments from the Lord. But all his strength and skill as the captain of the Lord's host would soon become wholly, totally inadequate. Say, so how do you know that, preacher? Well... Hold your place here and look with me at Joshua chapter number 1. Now, I find there's an admonition that the Lord gives to Joshua that is repeated on numerous occasions. In fact, this admonition is spoken to Joshua or about Joshua more than even this admonition is spoken to the church. Paul said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. But God's getting ready to say something to Joshua that's very, very similar. And no one had this spoken to them more than Joshua. Look with me, starting in verse number 1. It says, now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, All the land of the Hittites and under the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Watch this, verse 6. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people 
shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only, here we go again, be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses thy servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Once again, it's to the inner man, it's according to the will. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Joshua would soon find that all of his strength and all of his skills as a general, as a warrior, were soon going to be worthless. He was going to need a strength, a inner strength, a spiritual strength in his inner man, and only by that would he be able to lead the children of Israel as God had commanded him to do. The admonition and the promises of God, we read few of, a few of them. He said, I'll give you this land. He said, no, none of your enemies will be able to stand before you. And all of these promises, all of these blessings would have been of no value whatsoever if the children of Israel had not crossed over the Jordan River into the promised land. I wonder, would that be your problem here today? You know the promises of God. Maybe you're claiming the blessings and the promises of Canaan, but you're still wandering around in the wilderness. You've yet to trust the Lord to give Him your whole heart and your whole life. You've got one foot maybe in the, in, the, in the River Jordan, and one foot you're staying on, and maybe you're not all the way out there in the wilderness, but you have not yet crossed over Jordan by faith. If you don't cross over Jordan, then those promises and blessings of Canaan are of no value whatsoever. Don't continue to wander around in the wilderness of unbelief and disobedience. Cross over Jordan, and then be strong and of a good courage. Meditate upon the Word of God. Let God's Word and His laws be in your heart and your mind continually. And then, according to Psalm 1, you'll have the blessings and you'll have fruitfulness and you'll have some stability in your life. Number three, and my last point, is the admonition. If you go back to Ephesians chapter number 5, the admonition speaks of a process. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Strength comes from exercise. What is exercise? It's a process. It's an activity that's carried out with a specific purpose or goal in mind. There is such a thing as spiritual exercise. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 7 says, But refuse profane and old wives' fables. And exercise thyself rather unto godliness. 
For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. God says, I want you to exercise yourself rather unto godliness. There are things that you can do in your life in and of themselves. They're not going to make you holy or righteous. God has to do that. But to get strong in the Lord, there are some exercises unto godliness that you can do if you'll do them faithfully, then they will strengthen you in your Christian life. Reading your Bible, spending time in prayer, being faithful to church, serving the Lord, witnessing, all of these things are spiritual exercises of godliness. Saying no to some form of entertainment or some type of fashion All of these are exercises into godliness, and when you make them part of your life, they will strengthen you. The things of the world, all they do is weaken you. You know, there are things that this world with technology, we're filled with things of entertainment and fashion and, and, and friends and social and all of these things. And sometimes you can look at those things and say, in and of themselves, they are not wrong. They're not sin, perhaps, but they might be weakening your faith and weakening you in the inner man. We're in a battle. You cannot afford to have these things in your life that weaken you. We've got to be strong. Listen, the devil is strong. His devils are strong. The world and the power of the flesh is strong. We've got to be strong in order to overcome Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 14. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You know what too many Christians do today? Christians think, what can I do and what can I do? And they base it upon maybe what the preacher says or maybe what the parents say. You know, the parents have rules and the preacher, the church has rules. And listen, I'm all for standards and rules. I think that uh, the Bible certainly teaches about sanctification and it teaches about separation. And I believe that as the scripture says, we should raise the standard high. I believe in all of that, but that's all outward stuff. Listen, if you're going to be strong in the Lord, you cannot view your life as what can I get away with? And not get in trouble. Listen, when you say, I want to be strong in the Lord, you're able, you're able to manage your own life. You're able to be faced with a temptation and not do this, but rather to do this. Is this okay, Lord? Does this please you? Is this going to weaken me? Or is this going to strengthen me? Is this going to grieve the Holy Spirit? Or is this going to put a smile on your face? Because He's watching. Listen, too many Christians today, especially young people, they're, they're, they're walking through life and saying, well, what can I do and get away with it? And the, the Scripture says, be strong in the Lord. When we do that, we're not being strong. We're being weak. Exercising your senses to discern both good and evil. Listen, I never, I never exercised my senses in this area until I got right with the Lord just before I turned 20. 
before, I was living like, sadly, some of you are, just trying to figure out how I could live my own way and still not hurt too many people in the process and not hurt myself, but do whatever I wanted. That's, that's not a good way to live. It's living a life of weakness, spiritually speaking. Strength comes from faith. Romans 4, verse number 20, speaking of Abraham, the father of faith, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. I can find seven places in the book of Genesis where it certainly appears to me like Abraham staggered in his faith. Hagar, that seemed like a, you know, he kind of messed up with that one. Remember the time when the angel said, you're going to have a son, and he laughed? Remember when Sarah laughed? Remember when the Lord said to Abraham, I want you to leave your, leave the land and go to the land that I told you to. And he goes about halfway and then stops and spends some time there until his dad dies. I mean, I find all kinds of things where it's like, it looks to me like Abraham was staggering a little bit. But the Holy Spirit in hindsight says he didn't stagger. He was strong in faith. Aren't you glad that God overlooks our failures, and he looks at how we recover. If your faith is staggering, if you're weak in your faith right now, strengthen those things that remain. God's not going to beat you over the head with it. He's not going to hold it over your head. Well, what about what you did? No, he's going to say, praise the Lord. Now you're on track. Just like Jesus told Peter. He said, I've prayed for you that your faith doesn't fail. But when you're converted, strengthen your brethren. Listen, Peter hurt Jesus. No doubt it hurt him. Cut him to the core. But Peter, Jesus still believed in Peter because he knew that Peter was going to recover from this. Listen, you're better off to go through life strong with a scar than to just give in and say, well, I'm not perfect anymore. I might as well quit. Let me tell you something, there's probably been a lot of battles that have been fought and won by wounded, injured soldiers who said, I'm not going to sick bay, you're not carrying me off in this stretcher, just hand me my rifle and I'll keep staying in this foxhole and I'll hold the line the best that I can. There's probably a lot of victories in warfare because of men who said, I'm injured, I'm hurt, I might have made a mistake, but I'm going to regroup. And I'm going to be strong in my faith. Strength comes from the grace of God. 2 Timothy 2.1 Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Do you know what grace is? It's God. We know it's God's unmerited favor towards us. But it's also God doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. That's His grace. And let me tell you something We cannot be strong without His grace. It's not even possible. Paul said, when I am weak, then am I strong. Listen, being strong in the Lord is not like these strong men today. That I mean, what would some of the strong men today do if they had no mirrors? It wouldn't even be worth it. Why would I go through all of this pain and suffering and all of this hard work if I couldn't look in the mirror or if I couldn't show them off? You know what I'd love to see someday? 
I'd like, like to see somebody that's got guns, not like me, but like big old massive guns, and have a t-shirt on that actually fits them. It's like, you know what? Man, I got, I got these big guns here. I guess I'm going to have to wear a 4X because what I would normally wear, it's too tight around my bicep, right? They're not going to do that, are they? No, because it's like, I'm going to show this off. You know what good that does? When it's all said and done, you know what you have? You have some really, really high-class, five-star restaurant worm food. It's all going to the ground. And when we stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ, it's not going to be like this. It's going to be like this. Just trying to help you today. Just trying to help you. I hope you recognize that. God's strength comes from our weakness. I'm not saying that it's wrong for... Listen, I, I, be physically fit. There's worse things that a the person can do. But just do it for the glory of God, not for the glory of self. In conclusion... 1 Corinthians 16, verse number 13. Listen, if, if these principles today, if you're looking at your life and going, man, preacher, I know that's true, but I, I've tried and I've failed. I don't know what to do about all this. I, I want to be strong, but I don't know that I can. Listen to what God says. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Now, this is an interesting admonition here. And by the way, this is not only to you men out there. This, this is to you women as well. Honest. This is applicable to male or female. When, when the Scripture here is talking about men here, it's not talking about the gender role. It's talking about it's used as a strength factor. And I know you feminists, if you're a feminist, you resent that, whatever. It's all right. Get right with God and read the Bible. It's okay. It's okay if you were born a female to be a lady. And it's really okay if you were born a male to be a man, okay? You'll be glad you did, trust me. What do I see in this Short, another short verse on being strong. I see this. First of all, wake up. Watch ye. That means to wake up. The watchman is someone who's staying awake and being alert and watching for danger. Watch ye. Wake up. Stand up. Quit sitting down. Quit being in a position of weakness. Listen, don't go through your Christian life like this. Oh, I'm saved and I don't get to enjoy anything in this world because everything's wrong. No, don't go through that. Stand like a man. I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I'm a soldier for Jesus Christ. Man, it's a place of strength. Stand up. And then, this doesn't sound very spiritual, but it's scriptural. Fake it if you have to. Look at it. Quit you like men. That word quit is an old English word that's basically saying act 
like a man. Play the man, so to speak. You don't feel like a man? Quit listening to your feelings. Be what God told you to be and say, I'm going to act like a man and I'm going to be strong. Quit you like men. In fact, here's an interesting irony. Quitting may be what keeps you from quitting. If you'll just act like a man and be strong, it might be just what you need to keep you from quitting. And I close with our text, and I hope that the Holy Spirit has hammered it home here today. Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Would you bow your heads as we go to the Lord in prayer? Father, thank You for the Word of God. And I thank you for all that you've done for me. And Father, I thank you for helping me through my times of weakness and failure and struggle. Lord, you've been so faithful, so patient, so kind. Lord, there's been times when I couldn't carry myself and you carried me. And you've been so good, Lord. I pray for this congregation here today. Anyone else that might be watching or listening today or in the future, Lord, may this message challenge our hearts. May we realize, Lord, that this admonition speaks to our will. It speaks to our inner man. And Lord, it's a process. And I pray, God, that we would get on track for you and be strong in the Lord and in the power of your might. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.